everyone, and welcome back to the latest edition of CouncilCast, the official podcast of the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers. I'm Katie Oberkirker on the Market Intelligence team here at the Council. Here with me today is Justin Oliver, the Senior Director of Business Development for Employee Benefits at CyberScout, and Anne Baron DiCamillo, Vice President of Cyber Threat Intelligence and Incident Response at American Express. Today, they're going to be breaking down the cyber insurance landscape, including what's trending with respect to identity theft coverage and how cyber risk continues to evolve. Justin, Ann, thanks for joining me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So I'd like to jump in with a big picture question and talk about the you know broad view of cyber insurance and what that landscape looks like today. Can you speak to the connection between cyber risk and identity theft protection? And um, I'll let you kick it off. I'm sure. Thanks so much. Great question um, and great timing. I think when dealing with cyber crime in, in general, um, a great uh, point of thought is an ounce of prevention is truly worth a pound of cure. Um, Cybercrime in all of its many forms, from online identity theft, you know, financial fraud, stalking, bullying, hacking emails, um, other kind of spoofing, uh, there's just a ton of different ways in which we're seeing cybercrime today. Um, at its best, it can wreak havoc in victims' lives uh, through just major inconveniences and other kinds of annoyances. But at worst, it can really lead to some financial ruin and potentially really threaten um, your reputation and personal safety. So I think it's really wise to do as much as possible to prevent cybercrime up front, and that's where things like cyber insurance and other um, identity theft protections can really help be that um, pound of cure. Great. Thanks, Anne. Justin, I'll let you add something. Thanks. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Anne nailed it on the head. It's, it, you know, there really is just a true correlation between cyber risk and, and identity theft. It's, at the end of the day, a, a consumer can be um, safe and secure with all their information, but um, their information is probably still out there through a breach of, you know, a Marriott or, you know, something along those lines where that identity theft protection, um, it, it's affordable and, you know, the amount of time and energy spent um, for an individual dealing with identity theft is, is really crippling. Um, so to, to have an insurance uh, in place that can help when the time comes, um, because it's no longer coming if, but when, um, is truly helpful for an individual um, to have that in place. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to focus on cyber insurance for a minute. Justin, can you speak to the evolution of identity theft, um, you know, moving from a voluntary to an employer paid product, and, and what do you think has contributed to that shift? Yeah, I think one of the, the biggest things is the, the amount of time and lost revenue that um, employers are starting to see from identity theft. So the, the number is always changing, but, but right now the average time for an individual to deal with a, an identity theft is about 165 hours of work time. So from an employer standpoint, that's a 165 hours of lost productivity. And they're also starting to see some absenteeism with um, workers missing, you know, five times more than average when dealing with identity theft and actually using, um, they're four times more likely to use their medical benefits. So it, it, it's really 
prevalent for the employer to start paying attention um, to identity theft and, you know, what can they do on the front end to not only help their employees, but get them back to work so, um, you know, they can be productive and, you know, there's not that lost revenue tied to it. And some of those stats are, are interesting. And obviously, employees do, in some ways, you know, make their employer and the organization more vulnerable. What can employers do to prepare for future cyber risks when it comes to employee benefit offerings? Well, I, I'll, I'll let Ann kind of talk about the uh, the, the cyber risk piece of that because um, I, I think that's more up her alley. But I think you know we've seen the shift um, to the employer paid from a voluntary standpoint. Um, you know, one of the things we're doing over at Cyber Scout is really trying to incentivize the employer to to pay attention and provide these on an employer paid versus voluntary basis. So uh, what we've been doing as a company is we're now providing breach services for any employer that pays for this benefit for their employees. So not only is it a win for the employees because they have this great coverage provided at no cost, but the employer now has um, the backing of CyberScout's breach team if anything were to happen, uh, and it's embedded in those services. So we've seen a major shift from voluntary offerings to employer paid because of this, because it's really a win for both the employer and the employee. Now it's not a true cyber liability product, and you know there, there's not something they shouldn't shy away from, but it's a pretty robust offering for the employer um, from a breach standpoint. Uh, but again, I'll, I'll let Ann kind of talk a little bit more about the cyber piece and what they can do. I'm sure. So, you know, I definitely agree that there's um, more offerings that we're seeing like that because the enterprises in every industry of all sizes are really finding themselves under this increasing barrage of cyber attacks. And at the same time, this threat landscape uh, is just continuing to evolve. It's becoming more and more sophisticated, and it's happening at a faster pace year over year. And, then, and that means that many organizations are really struggling to keep up with that pace. And so offerings like Justin talked about are becoming more and more commonplace because it just becomes um, uh, more and more difficult to buy down uh, your, your, your uh capabilities just through security tools within your enterprise, and they're looking towards other offerings that can help protect their employees when they're um, at work and when they're home, because we're seeing an increase of targeting specifically of employees in their personal accounts, in their, um, uh, I would say, more of their personal side of their lives through things like social media and stuff like um, that, where it's not targeting so much your enterprise-associated um, information, but it's going after an employee of a certain enterprise, going after their personal information, which is a lot of times that softer target, um, where a, uh, a threat actor can be more successful in um, um, being able to breach that information because there aren't those security controls that are in place sometimes in larger organizations. Needless to say, the days are gone when a firewall alone will be sufficient to protect us against cyber criminals or other related groups. There's just this continued proliferation around connected devices, um, along with more flexible working practices, which is just compounding this complex partner ecosystem um, where we see organizations uh, with the boundaries around organizations just ebbing and flowing. Directors are able to leverage all of this with malicious intent um, and take advantage uh, at a you know, very alarming rate um, to increase uh, cost to businesses because of this porous um, network boundaries that we're seeing in health threat actors are shifting towards softer targets, meaning personal accounts of their employees. 
So, Anne, like you said, these attacks are, are happening at a more rapid pace and they're becoming more sophisticated. So given that, given that the, the cyber risk landscape is constantly evolving, as a cybersecurity expert, how are you working to, to scale these types of strategies on a global level? Great question. Um, I think it's, it's continuing to look at the existing capabilities or really looking at your risk posture and making those risk decisions associated with the ever-evolving changes in your landscape. So you have to kind of understand what risk tolerance level you have first as a business. And then from there, you can start to look at the evolving landscape to see where you might want to make some new investments based on what is the highest risk to your specific organization. I think one of the things I've seen in my 20 plus years of working in technology and cyber is that there's no single solution for any enterprise. And so you have to understand what the risks are specific to your organization and then apply the specific controls to buy down that risk. We can't buy down every risk. There's just, uh, there's no zero um, uh, ability or zero uh, getting to a 100% uh, lockdown infrastructure, I mean, unless you're just not on the Internet, which is not really a, a, uh, an option for many small and medium-sized businesses and large corporations today. So I think it's understanding your risk posture specific to the risk or to the threats that are targeting you, focusing on those things first. I think there's a prioritization, too, that we need to focus on. I think I see a lot of times organizations try to boil the ocean and address everything, um, and that's just not applicable either. I think you need to really prioritize um, uh, your capabilities and controls to the risks that buy down um, those threats that are more targeted to you or your organization in general. And then also I think the other thing I see a lot of times that organizations struggle with is this ever-increasing noise that comes from threat intelligence or alerts um, that really can become a distraction. And so I think there's an aspect of really understanding um, at really trying to dial down the noise so they can focus on the alerts that matter um, and prioritize those alerts for resources to address. I think um, more data isn't always a good thing in cyber, and so being able to find the dirty needle in the stack of needles is really important. Um, being able to focus and prioritize your resources to the things that are going to help buy down that risk it becomes that kind of cyclical uh, review. It's not something you do once a year and you put the, put the plan away. It's got to be lo uh, looked at on a continuous basis um, with a lens towards uh, where the threat environment is evolving. Absolutely. And just to follow the thread of this topic, what recommendations can you give some more mid-size employers to better protect and educate their employees when it comes to cyber risk and identity theft? Um, definitely a uh, security training program that's done on a con continuous basis to your employees. I mean, if you think about it, where you see uh, threat actors having the most success is through phishing campaigns. So the delivery of the malware or the, either through the link or through an attachment to the inbox. Um, you know, all it takes is one click uh, for that that malware to be able to execute in your environment. So I think ensuring that you have a security program in place where you're educating your employees. I think taking security out of just the IT department and making sure that it's part of the enterprise is really important. Um, it's everybody's responsibility. It's not just the uh, information technology or information security personnel, but it's the responsibility of the entire organization. That also means that you have executive leadership support for cybersecurity programs. 
So those two things in combination, that continuous education to all of your employees with the, the support of your executive leadership for cybersecurity practices, resources, and this program. I think understanding um, uh, the way to prevent uh, the, a cyber event across the organization becomes critical in order to buy down your risk. I also think that, it, you know, like I said earlier, there's not a silver bullet or a, uh, a solution that works in any one enterprise. I think you have to um, uh, look towards more defense and depth capabilities um, and ensuring that you have uh, a, a laundry list of security controls that will help buy down the risk for your specific organization. Um, you know, our lives are becoming increasingly digital. Um, which puts us more into harm's way. So, and the fact remains that bad guys will continue to find new and ever expanding but easily accessible online technologies to steal, harass, and commit all kinds of crimes. So, you need to ensure that your footprint associated with your environment is staying ahead of that, that you're, you're educating your employees, you're looking at a defensive depth capability to include preventive and proactive capabilities um, like cyber insurance and other identity theft protection. Definitely sounds like a one-size-fits-all solution is not the the best approach, can, just considering, you know, how quickly the, the risk landscape is evolving. Justin, I want to switch gears here and, and focus on CyberScout for a moment. As more carriers begin to emerge in this space, what are some of the most important factors that a client should consider when they're thinking about choosing a carrier to work with? Yeah, definitely. Um, there definitely has been a lot of new carriers entering the space. There's been a consolidation of some larger insurance carriers, um, you know, picking up some ID theft carriers. So, um, at, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're all monitoring very similar information. So I think there's a couple of key components that, you know, when employers are looking at adding this, they should really concentrate on. Um, first being, you know, working with a carrier that specializes in identity theft. With the consolidation and, and the new additions, um, there can sometimes be competing interests um, when the carriers are trying to do more than identity theft as a product. Um, so it's really important to, to work with a carrier that that's their primary focus and they specialize in. So you know the job is going to get done and it's going to get done right and quickly. Um, you know, talking kind of along the lines of it also the overall security of the company, I think, is extremely important because you're thinking about a company that is holding your employees' PII, anything from their um, bank account information to their credit cards to their Social Security, not only for, for that employee but for their family members. So making sure that um, the overall security of that company that you're partnering with is, you know, the highest uh, industry standard is extremely important. Um, and, and something that actually often gets lost that, that we've seen in um, these presentations that we're doing um, is the resolution component. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the monitoring is being extremely important, but the resolution is the primary thing that an employee signs up for, that when, um, you know, Rome is burning and they've had their identity stolen and they, they need help, who they turn to. And so that's a really key component of these policies. And how, how do you partner with a carrier? Um, and what we're seeing is that some of these carriers are requiring uh, individuals to sign power of attorneys, which adds a lot of time to the resolution process, um, where, you know, at CyberScout, um, we can start working for that individual right away um, with no power of attorney due to our longstanding uh, history with the credit bureaus and um, just where we're located in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, it, it's really helped us um, 
resolve employees' identity theft a lot quicker. Um, and then from a, the insurance standpoint as well, you know, there's a lot of carriers out there and we have very robust insurance policies and they're a reimbursement model, but making sure that there's not caveats in the insurance um, and really diving into that to make sure that an employee will be actually be paid out on these insurance policies. So there's no limits on elect unauthorized electronic fund transfers. Um, there's no limits on 401ks or HSA payments or the, the policies don't need to be actively monitored in the system in order for payouts to occur. So it's really important to really understand the insurance component. And a lot of our broker partners are really starting to dive into that and pay more attention to that. And then the last, what we've also started to see is as this has developed and become more and more popular is having a partner that can provide a benefit to not only your international employees, but protecting those employees um, that work in the U.S. and are traveling internationally, if something were to happen, that they have access to those benefits. So um, really making sure that this is uh, not just that you can only use this benefit inside the U.S. is becoming more and more popular uh, amongst the broker community and some of the clients that we're working with. I want to finish up here by just posing a, a bigger picture question. I'll start with you, Justin. The insurance industry has been known for its protective data posture. So what do you think is the future of identity theft um, with respect to data? Yeah, what, um, you know, what, what I probably see happening is that um, the, the cyber risk and the identity theft are, are going to start to be sort of a combined offering. Right now, we're talking to two different sides of the house. You have your IT folks that are concerned about the, the overall cyber, and then you have, um, you know, the C-suite and the, the HR team that are really concerned about protecting their employees' identity. So I, I think over time, what we're going to see is those two sides merge together. Um, so we're pretty excited. Uh, we're rolling out a, we just rolled out a cyber liability product. Uh, again, more geared towards the PNC producers because they're having different conversations. But what I think that's going to happen over time is that the cyber liability and the identity theft offerings are going to be combined, um, you know, to get better discounts, um, to make it more uh, easier for the employer to just kind of have one policy under one roof that only protects the overall security of their company, but the security of their employees' identities. So that would be kind of what I would see happening in the in the next few years from my end. But I'm, I'm sure Anna has more insight in, uh, on that as well. Yeah, I would just add, you know, there's all different types of identity theft that we're seeing today, and, and there's just going to be a continuation of creativity associated with that. I think there's just a range of opportunistic amateurs that are working independently um, with teams to more sophisticated, what I would consider to be more hardcore professionals that are systematically targeting different groups of victims. Um, these, kind of, these include everything from Internet hackers to sometimes trusted full-time employees. It could be a temporary employee or even an outside service. It could be organized crime, um, amateur thieves again, and sometimes it's even friends and relatives. One thing that we do see with identity theft is usually the person who stole the information is not the person who uses it to commit fraud. A lot of times there's a number of players that are involved in identity threats. And so um, there's a whole, you know, entire network of individuals that can be involved in, in how the identity um, of the individual is, is stolen and leveraged for multiple components associated with fraud. So I would just say that that will continue to become more complex and that there's an entry of more uh, threat actors into this space because it is a very lucrative um, uh, aspect of monetizing uh, cyber, uh, cyber crime for these actors. So it's not going to go away. It's going to continue to um, 
attract more, uh, I would say, more uh, individuals into this because of the lucrative aspect associated with the outcomes and the payout. Um, there'll be more commodity as a service associated with identity theft, meaning that more sophisticated actors can even sell the capabilities in which they use to, um, to scrape and to steal information, and which means that there's even more players in this space um, associated with this. So I think um, we'll continue to see identity theft rise, and we'll continue to see different aspects of how that data is used to commit fraud um, in more and more creative ways. Thank you, Justin and Anne. I really appreciate your time and your insight and expertise on this. And, and thank you all for listening to CouncilCast. You can listen more on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud. Please subscribe and leave us a review or rating to tell us how we're doing. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can find us at ciab.com, at the CIAB on Twitter, or you can email in at councilcast at civ.com. See you next time. Mm -hmm.